Uh, <clears throat> you stand with the written word. Um, I'm going to endeavor to uh, do something I'm not really ever done. Not like I'm going to do this. I'll explain it. Make sense of it a little bit later. But uh, let me read this scripture. Follow peace with all men and holiness without, because no man should see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail. I'm going to say fail. Any man fail for the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be devoured. Let me read verse 15 again. Uh, looking diligently, lest any man fail for the grace of God. That's the scary thing, fellow, the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness bringing up trouble you, and thereby <clears throat> many be defiled. Well, we ask you to touch today, touch our life hearts, so I will see you today. Uh, my hearts or spirits receive what you have. Help me, God, to share this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Stan. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Oh, goodness. As I've said, we have found ourselves at the beginning of a new year. We found ourselves at the beginning of a new decade on this first Sunday of 2020. That just sounds good, don't it? 2020. Twenty twenty one. It's just it's incredible that who would have thought we found ourselves here. Um, I remember when I was young, growing up, just turned forty nine. Goodness, I can say I'm gonna be fifty this year, one day anyway. But still, that's that's a that's a long time. It seems like, but yet it seems like it's not very long at all. I've never been a young man that either preached about. Jesus coming and hell and all that stuff. And then, my God, I'm never going to get married. Lord, I'm, I'm never going to get married and have kids. And now I'm in one of mine's married. But here we are, a new year, a new decade. No doubt there are some of us that have spent some time thinking about what the new year is going to bring us. Um, I hope we have. We've thought about what we'd like to see accomplished in our life, our family's life, and, and hopefully you've even thought about what you would like to see accomplished in our church and in our spiritual walk with Jesus. I think that reflecting on the previous year and us uh, taking time to, to set goals are very, very important to life. Not always been that way. And I've uh, suffered from it because honestly, if, if you don't, um, if you don't do that reflecting and thinking of the past, according to the Bible and statistically, we are doomed to repeat our failures of our past. Lord, so we don't learn from our mistakes. And one way to learn from it is we look back and we figure out what we've done well, what we've done bad, and what we can do different. Amen. Very important. Um, according to an August 9, 2019 study, more than half of Americans wanted to start 2018 off by saving money and getting in shape. The most popular New Year's resolution ever, this is ever, that's been recorded, is to quit smoking. It's not as high as it used to be on the list, but it is still there, and I'll only give you a list of that this uh, article said. The highest on the list of New Year's resolutions were to save money. 53% of those who make a New Year's resolution want to save money. 43% uh, wanted to lose weight and get in shape. I think I've got a pretty good shape now. It's kind of round. I guess I need to work on that. 24% uh, wanted to travel more. 23% wanted to read more books. 22% wanted to learn a new skill or hobby. 21% wanted to buy a house. 16% wanted to quit smoking. And 15% uh, wanted to find love. As I mentioned Thursday night, those of you that was here, according to a December 
2018 study, a New York Post article, before the first month, this month of January is over, most people has given up on their annual commitment to New Year's resolutions. As a matter of fact, they say 8% make it beyond January into the end of the year. That's not a very good percentage. Um, we do live in a very uncommitted time. No doubt. As I begin to think about this new year, and I've been much prayer and thought over the last month about how to kick this year off. We went through December, and I did a, an annual December uh, Christmas-themed uh, series as I've done for several years now. I've been thinking about the beginning year, how we want to start the new year off, and, and um, how I want to set the precedent of what we need. I feel like God wants us to have in this new year. I begin to think about New Year's goals, resolutions as far as church and becoming closer to God. No doubt we all want to do better with money. We all want to get rid of some bad habits. We all want to uh, have better relationships and all this kind of stuff. But what amount of people want to do better in church? They want their church attendance to be better. They want, they want to be able to give more to the church. and They want to pray more, to read their Bible, or, or maybe this be the year that they actually get beyond Genesis in the Bible program reading, and they actually finish the Bible. And, and no doubt, and I, you know what, I begin to search. You can do a simple Google search of what percentage of people of America make New Year's resolutions, and, and your, your Google page will blow up, and you'll see all kinds of different pages, and I just pick one of the many statistics that I've seen, but I begin to search what percentage of uh, Americans make New Year's resolutions concerning church. And I may put it in several different ways, lady, and, and I couldn't find it. It bothered me. But what I did see is I searched the internet to find the statistics on resolutions for church. It was such a hard time finding any. And I didn't find any. I found nowhere where, no doubt if I went far enough, I probably could have found it because there's multiple Google pages and and I just got tired of looking. And said, uh, no, I'm not. Because I kept seeing this thing. It was the main thing that I could find with the statistics for church was the fact of how the church was declining, which is a disturbing trend even among our local congregation of how church attendance is declining and ashamingly want to stand here and tell you today that the statistics we keep statistics of who shows up who's not here and who's here and who's not and uh, we have done this ever since we've started the church you can go back I can go back somewhere in our records to uh, 2006 and tell you who was here on what day what I preached and everything I can go back and find that. And over the last three or four years, ashamedly want to tell you today that our church has declined in church attendance every year. We're going to change that this year. Amen. Amen. Now, over the last almost 14 years, I've seen the trends of many people of the Donnie that are on fire for God for a few months. And then about um, blink of eye, ready to walk out the door. How many that has social media, Facebook in particular, that you go to the uh, memories of a year ago for that particular day? As I looked at some this week, and I see some particular young girls that was making posts about how this church changed their life and how. Uh, inviting people to come to church and how excited they were and so thankful for finding God and finding the church and my heart broke as I thought about the fact that none of them sit in this church today. You don't know the times that I have left here on a Sunday night excited about the future um, of someone and before the next day and even sometime before I get home that same individual is ready to quit church altogether. I looked at Sister Cheryl multiple on multiple occasions and knowing better to even say it, 
saying, brother or sister, so-and-so seems to be doing really good. Only not to see them back in church for weeks and even months. In much prayer concerning the start of this new year on Sunday mornings, what I want to set for precedence and, and, and help those that are here on Sunday mornings, I, I feel as God wants me to help us some people that we don't see that cycle, that that what some would call the ups and downs of Pentecost or church. We're in, we're out. Hey, I've been there. I, I know what it's like. I ain't always stood in this position that I am right now. I, I, I've been in that place, Brother Donnie, where I felt like, hell, you're in trouble this week. And before I get home, I'm like, God, I can't make it. I've been there, Sister Ashley, where I, I felt like I was, I was in control at all. And then, Brother David, I felt like, what's the use? Why go? Why pray? Why read my Bible? Why seek God? So the next four weeks, not counting today, but I guess five weeks count today, I'm going to start a new series that I am going to call How to Not Fail. As a Christian. How to not fail as a Christian. It's not up here. It's not his fault. Well, got a really cool picture. Maybe will show up here in a minute. They did that for a little while ago. Amen. No, I'm not finding it. How to not fail as a Christian. You don't get mad at the screen, right? <laughs> it's all right. How do not feel as a Christian? Uh, we went to Texas this year, Brother White. Um, we uh, seem like the last three years, every time we go, Brother, Brother White has, has uh, had a new book that he has written. Um, a lot of them has been directed to ministry, uh, directly to four ministers. Now, some of you have read some of the books that have passed around. You've read some of them. Uh, but this year he he had a very easy, simple book that he um, had written. All of his books that he writes, they, they originate from sermons that he has preached and studies that he's done and talked to his church. He does not write a book at all that he does not first preach it to his church, each chapter. And uh, this year he, he's got a really good book. This is it. It's called The Anatomy of a Failure. Uh, I did not pick it up and read it until a week ago. I did not pick it up and read it until a week ago. Maybe maybe eight days ago. I had I made some goals for some book reading this last year. I, I, I wanted to read 25 books, and I, I did. I read 25 books, and this was the last one that I read. I personally did not pick this up because I, I have a bad habit of starting a book and to figure another one up, starting that book, and I have too many books going at one time. So I said, I do not want to read that book until I get done with this other book. And that's what I done. When I picked it up, it was one of the books I couldn't put out. I found myself just wanting to read it. And I will read it again this year. But in this book, he gives four things that I plan to teach to uh, this congregation. To help us overcome this trend in church of, of doing well and then not doing well. Come on, we've been there. I want to go to church. What's the use of going to church? I've seen it. I've seen it over and over. I've been to church in all my life. I've seen the trends of people, whether it be this church or Star Bethlehem. Uh, I, I, I've been there. And, and in this book, is. Um, it's really simple. I'm going to quote him a lot. I'm going to read from. I'm going to read straight from the book. So I'm going to give you some of the stuff that he says. Um, and I'm going to make it very personal for us, for this congregation. But when I first talked to Brother White about the book, he said he asked me a few questions. He said, "You know, you've got the people. They, they come, they do good for a while, and then they're out, and they come back, and then they're out, and they come back, and they're out." I've seen this a lot of times. And uh, 
He said, this book, he said, you need to teach this to your church. It will help them. After I read the book, it's like a video. Oh, I don't know how to start this year. I'm going to talk about the concepts of this book. And let's just think about it. How, how, does it, how does it happen? How does good people, the verse that I read tonight, or today, it's still up there, Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail the grace of God. How do good people fail a great God? What, what causes people who love God to suddenly reject Him? What, what are the danger zones that, that lead us to a spiritual downfall in our lives. Is it back? Praise the Lord. There it is. I told you to catch up. It's slow. Technology don't got nothing on us. It's slow. Now what are the danger zones? What, what leads us to that spiritual downfall in our life? So the first thing I will talk about, this is just an introduction to it. There's four things that, that Bishop White writes in his book that I'll, I'll go over them at the end of this today. But then I will talk about them in its entirety on each of these lessons. Uh, he tags, uh, the reason he calls this the anatomy of a failure is because he uh, looks at this as if it's our body and he uses different body parts and systems for our body, four different ones to show us what causes this. But the number one thing that we need to know that and is what exactly are you and I up against? Second Corinthians two eleven says, "Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices." The number one thing we must understand is that Satan has devices that he fights against us with, and we can't be ignorant to those things that he uses against us. If, Sister Heather, it's hard to imagine that anything is so evil. As to what the devil will do to us, he is merciless. He he doesn't he all, all he wants to do is to destroy you, and he he doesn't care to use your kids against you. He doesn't care to use your family against you. He doesn't care to use your spouse against you. He doesn't care to use your past, your future. He doesn't care to use anything he can get his hands on that may destroy you or deceive you or tear your life apart. He'll use your very own kids to drive you crazy to where you don't want to come to the house of God because they're acting so bad, you're ashamed to be in church. Amen. Even after they get grown, he'll use your own kids against you to uh, 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 make you feel like, uh, you know, oh, people's going to look at me as if I'm a failure, right? Well, that TV's filming. Turn it off. Y'all say this in Anything you can use. He distracts us. He, he, he tries to tear us down. Anything he can. I, I may mention that I have walked out of here and, and thinking, man, look how they've done tonight. Yeah, there's a breakthrough in their life. And I mean, listen, this has happened more multiple times in my life. I left encouraged about an individual, and literally before the day, before I got home in Dawson Springs, I get a text message from that individual said, Brother Daniel, I'm not going back to church no more. I'm like, what? You shouted all over the place. You worship. What in the world? I literally, what, what happens? Satan has devices that he uses against us. The opening text that I read today uh, talks about this danger that I'm talking about. He said, he said, follow peace with all men in holiness. It's the open text, Hebrews 12, 14 through 15. In holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fell of the grace of God. Number one, in, in, in this journey, I've got to tell us this, that it is. Everybody say this with me. It is. It's possible to fail the grace of God. Think about that today. It is very possible that you and I can fail the grace of God. 
That's a scary thing. There, there is a staggering, incredible number of people. You got to hear this. This is something Brother White said in his book, so I'm almost holding it verbatim here. Just kind of put it in my own words. But there's a staggering number of people with little or no true relationship with God that are persuaded that regardless of their sinful lifestyle, as long as they believe in God, they are still saved. That is scary. I'm going to tell us today, this is not a once saved, always saved that you cannot find that anywhere in the Bible. There's nowhere in the Bible that says once you repent and you ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins, that you can go live any way you want to live and you're going to be saved. There's nowhere in the Bible, but yet there's a staggering number of people that I have even spoke to. Um, I'm going to look across. There's nobody out here sitting here today that said this to me. That has said to me, while they're setting in their adultery, while they're setting in their fornication, while they're setting in their situation, and said, I know if I die today, I'm going to heaven. There is not a once saved, always doctrine. Number one, we have to realize that's the very first thing that he would use against us, Brother Don. But let us let us think that that you can live, do anything you want and you're okay. That uh, that's not even, that it's all wrapped up in this book that these points I'm gonna go across and it's all wrapped into it. But that's one of the first devices he'll use in our life is to you're okay with the way you are. Yeah, Jesus would take us any way we are, but you know what? He loves us enough to let us not stay that way. He wants to, he wants us to grow. He wants us to grow up. Man, Cheyenne got that beautiful baby back there today, and she's absolutely beautiful, that is for sure. She's a doll. And, and how old is she now, Cheyenne? How old? Two weeks. What about this beautiful baby right here? Look at that beautiful blonde hair. That's beautiful. How old is she? That's two. I love the big bow, the, 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 the wide pants, all that's just so pretty. But let me tell you what, when she gets about 30 or 40 years old, that big huge bow and the big the big frilly dresses that they wear when they're little and and in the uh, the bottle that the baby's sucking back there. That's not a good look for a 30-year-old. By that point, we want them to have grown up. Amen? Amen? And this is what the devil does. He tells us we're okay just the way we are. The truth of the matter, that's not necessarily so. Revelation 19 and 7 says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made himself, made herself ready. Listen, we got to make ourselves ready. Oh, I'm sorry. Revelations 19 and 7. Hey, anytime, anytime you got a question with scriptures like that, say, what was that? Don't, don't be afraid to ask me. It said that come after church has made itself ready. Amen. I'm going to tell you right now. If most men, even the ladies, if that man looked at the back of the church and then the doors opened up and that bride would come down, come down that aisle and she would just look like uh, she didn't put no effort in getting herself ready, he's going to be like, "That one married that?" <laughs> or she bursts through them doors and there he says. Just come out of the duck blind with his boots on, mud all over him, mud on his face, and she's gonna think, Y'all really want to marry that? We make ourselves ready. And we gotta be. And here's the thing John 10, 27 through 28 says, My sheep hear my voice. This is Jesus speaking. And I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them the eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Now, notice what he said. 
Hey, know my voice. They're not gonna, a stranger, they're not gonna follow. No man shall pluck them out of my hand. I want to tell us today, we can walk away from God. Bishop White says in this book, he said, offering salvation is God's task. Maintaining that salvation is your task. It is possible for us to, to forfeit, to do away with the salvation God promised that no man could steal. We can willfully walk away from the very hand that God said no man can pluck out of his hand. No man can do it. But guess what you and I can do? You and I can walk away from that hand that pulled us out of darkness into his marvelous light. You and I can walk away from that thing. We can reach for sin and turn our back on the very salvation, the very Savior that died to give us life. We can walk away from that. The first five, the devil want to tell us that we that you know once you repent, it's okay. You see, James 3, 10 through 12 says, Out of the same mouth proceeded blessings and curses. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Does a fountain send forth at the same place bitter and sweet water? Bitter, same place, sweet water and bitter. Can a fig tree, can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine, uh, Dig so can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. James 3 10 for 12. John 10 27 for 28. Hopefully, this year we'll get better and I'll get all these scriptures on the Lord, I'm time out better. Be easier for you. Uh, James said, "Look, we we gotta we gotta be careful here." He, he said, "Can can the same fountain send bitter and sweet water? Can can a fig tree bear olives? No, it bears figs." Can a grapevine bring figs? No, brings grapes. He, he, he wraps these scriptures that I just read up with this, but by saying, there's no fountain that can both give you salt water and fresh water. You know, it don't take much salt water for you to take salt being water for you to taste it, does it? It don't at all. We've got to understand something today. That we've got to fall in love with him. The first thing for us to not fail as a Christian is we've got to sell out to him. To where we bear fruit from him. Because you can't bear tares and continue to be weak. We, we can't continue to uh, uh, we, we can't be a, be a goat and think that we can be a sheep. We, we, we can't act like a vessel of dishonor and continue to be a vessel of honor. We, we can't obey the master of, of this world and continue to be obedient to the master of God's kingdom. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24 says, No man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or man. It's Absolutely impossible for sin and salvation to coexist in our lives and be successful with living for God. Now, I feel the need to explain to us the difference between sinning and a sinner. Okay? A, a sinner is someone who sins and doesn't repent. Now, we're all human, we all make mistakes, and guess what? We're all at times are going to sin. 
At times, we're going to make mistakes. But the difference between the sinner and the saint is when we sin, we say, God, forgive me. So we can't willfully continue in a sinful act and not be a sinner. We just can't. What do you mean? Just, you know, just kind of, for example, you know, if a married couple, if you're married to somebody and uh, all of a sudden you find somebody else on the side and you, you, you have a relationship with that person, you're committing adultery. You may call yourself a child of God, but if you're committing adultery on your wife, according to the scriptures, you are sinning and therefore you are a sinner. And you, that just doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. We, 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 we don't want people to fail the grace of God. God doesn't want, he doesn't want us to fail the, the grace of God. By no means does he want us to do that. And we got to understand something today. We don't want to be lost, do we? I, I don't want to, I don't want nobody to be lost. But they, the, the reality is there's people that I preach to, there's people that I, I was raised up in a lot, there's people that I went to school with and you went to school with is that left this world and the best of my knowledge, they're probably burning in hell. That's a sober and scary fact to me. There's a friend of mine that that in grade school, we was best friends. And once we got to high school, we went different directions. But several years ago, the man passed away. The best of my knowledge, he went, never went to church. He, he never met uh, Clinton. He never, he never went to church. He, he, he never, uh, maybe he did at some point, but he never professed to ever have salvation. Did he have an opportunity to be saved? I'm sure he did because God gives us all the opportunity. Uh, I mean, I, I I called Clinton one day at the Beulah Pantry and I talked to him about church and trying to get him to come to church and he wouldn't, he wouldn't come. To the best of my knowledge, he never went to church. And I, I'm not his judge by no means, but just uh, I'm scared. Where's he at today? That's a scary, scary, sobering fact. But the reality is, knowing souls will be burning eternally, uh, lost should feel our righteous. Uh, it should feel righteousness in our minds and cause something to rise up in the inside of us and say, I don't want nobody to go to hell. Because the eternal flames are real. Separation from God and darkness, and it, it, it is real. Weeping and gnashing of teeth in hell is real. Brother David, the thought that is more horrible than a lost soul going to hell is a person who sat on a pew that has praised and worshipped and magnified God. A person that has shouted the aisles even preach the word that they would burn in a place called hell. That should shake us. That should, should shake our spirits. Second Peter, Second Peter 3 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some may count slackness, but he's long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come. To repentance. Sister Lois, he's, he's trying his best to bring us all into repentance. The potential for any of us in this building, myself included today, the potential for any of us to fail, to fail the grace of God is a very real, real thing. There is none of us, none of us in this place that is exempt from failure. Nobody in this place. And every one of us are going to fall from time to time. But when it comes to this thing called salvation, Brother David, we have got to do something to make sure that we get ourselves firmly planted in the church to when we stop this roller coaster life. Amen. 
Do we get established? First Corinthians 9 27 says, Lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. My goodness, what a tragedy would be for me as pastor of this church for some reason or another to find myself lost. Some of the greatest preachers that has preached to my spirit, Brother Donnie. I've had some men that has preached to me that today they do not even go to church. They do not even embrace the gospel of God. Or they went in a different direction. It's overwhelming to me to think that my soul, even though I've been in church filled with the Holy Ghost now, better than 30, uh, 30 years of my life, I could be lost. And every one of us in this place today, we very well could be lost. And that has to sink into our spirit. That even though we're going to church, even though we're going to church, Brother Donnie, if we're not careful, and we're not careful to take this wonderful gospel that we got, is a scripture that we that we uh, read in the opening text today that that looking diligently lest any man fell the grace of God. What's he saying? We've got to look diligently. How does it, he talks about how does this person fell the grace of God? He said, lest any root of bitterness bringing up trouble you, and that word will be defined. We've got to be careful because any of us, if we're, we're not exempt, that we could fail the grace of God and be lost. Can we just lift our hands for a second and love the Lord? Jesus, help us here today. Help us, God. You see, the thing I'm talking about today is this. You and I, everybody in this place, we've seen this happen. We, we have seen the fact that um, We've seen what I'm talking about happen. We've seen people come in, just as the Facebook post, I was talking about the memories of a few of the young girls. They're not really young now. Now they're, they're young adults, but they're not in church here today. We've seen people that, that they've been forgiven and they 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 uh, come in here and they, they do good and then all of a sudden something happens and they, they, they run away from God and they run towards the wrath of this world. They, they were... Uh, Powerful. They was used of God. They they've seen the glory down. They've testified. They've done great things. And, and we've seen those that that uh, was once trapped in addictions in their life, and 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 but then God bring them out, and they had great things happen in their life, and now then they're going the other direction. And we we've seen those who come in and they they humble themselves from the, the heaviness of shame of what sin does in their life and now then they're, they're, they went the other direction and, and here's the thing folks, some of you know that if we'll stick around long enough we'll see them back again we'll see the same trend the reality is though what happens if God comes back when they're on the down trend what happens to you and I if we're on that downtrend? How does it happen? How do good people fail the grace of God? What causes us to neglect the need for salvation? Hebrews 2 and 3 from the English Standard Version says this, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Sister Michelle, I'm going to contend with us today that we cannot neglect salvation. It has to be a high priority in our life. Paul made that statement to the Hebrew church or pursued it was Paul that wrote it. He said, how shall we escape if we neglect salvation? Sister Bama, we cannot neglect this thing. It's got to be a high priority and priority in our life, especially in starting off this year, 2020. David, the king, wrote or recorded of, uh, of him saying three times, we see him say in 1 Samuel 1, verse 19 and verse 25 and verse 27, 
David makes this statement, this question. He said, how are the mighty fallen? How do mighty men and women fall? Brother White, in his book, he has been doing this a lot longer than me. I trust his wisdom. I've read the book. I'm going to read it again. I'd encourage you to go to uh, abundantlife.com and you can order the book and have it sent to your house. The wife's going to preach for us this year. I don't know if you knew that or not. He's going to be here for anniversary services last April, 1st of May. But he said in much prayer, he's prayed and he sought God. And God gave him four categories that you and I are going to go over over the next uh, four weeks after this that pretty much sums up why people go through this roller coaster life of Christianity. They can't stay up or down. The four categories are these, and I will go over them in their entirety over the next four weeks. He said, number one, it starts in the feet. And we'll go through the, uh, the principles and scriptures that he teaches that the feet represents the instability of an unsure foundation. In other words, our foundation has got to be sure. We've got to be standing on the right thing. The second place he said it comes from is the stomach. And that is the pull of an unholy consumption in our life. In other words, it's, it's by the things that we consume in our lives that causes us to be up and down. The third area that we'll talk about, it comes to the head. And that is the hindrance of an unbridled mind. A mind that we just let wander all over the place. And the fourth one, absolutely is not the least by any means, is the heart. And if, if I see somebody right and come looking at me, I, I can give you that better in its entirety here. I'll go back over here in a second, but you can holler at me and I'll give you that. And we're going to go over it, okay? The heart, that is the delusion of misplaced passions when our heart is in the wrong place. Number one, the feet. The instability of an unsure foundation. Number two is the stomach. The pull of an unholy consumption of the things that we consume. Number three is our head. It's the hindrance of an unbridled mind. We let our mind just run and bank and do everything. And last but not least is the heart. It's the delusion that we misplace a passion. We'll go over those over the next four Sundays. But today, I want to close with this. We'll close with this thought. Somebody may be asking today, Pastor, it's hard. I'm not going to stay here and tell you it's not, okay? Number one, despite what some people may tell you, sin is fun. Sin is fun. You know why sin is fun? Because the part of our lives that is appeased by fun is our fleshly desires. Um, sin is fun. At the time when some kids are sneaking around in a sexual relationship that they're not married in, it's fun. And we're adults in here, and if you, you guys want to act like that part of marriage and life is not fun, then something's wrong with you. Alright? But that, And that's why kids endeavor to do that. But then along comes a baby. And that, oh, it's beautiful, but then when it's Wake you up in the middle of the night, crying, and you got to feed them. Then we see the results of things, right? So sin is fun. Life is not easy, right? Yeah. 
We, you know, trying to lead a church and live for God, stuff like that, is it's tough. We, me and Bethany and Sister Cheryl, some of us was talking the other day, was talking about some leadership things that we've kind of been dealing with in church. And, and Bethany made this statement, it's so true. And don't take this offensive, but she said, leadership sucks. It's hard to lead people because we're human trying to lead humans in an imperfect world. So, brother, you're thinking right now, well, Lord, you're not giving me less hope. I, I want to I wanna pick this up and down tree in my life. I, 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 is there a way to make heaven my home and live this thing with some peace? That's the question we want to know here today. And there is. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 1. First Peter. Second Peter verse one, dyslexic here. Second Peter verse, Second Peter one verse five through ten. Let me say that again. Second Peter one verse five through ten says, and besides this, in all diligence, when we talk about that word diligence, we go to be diligent about this thing, or we can fail. Giving diligence, add to your faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance. Temperance, patience, patience, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, charity. That's some big key things that we need in our life that's going to kind of be covered through uh, through these next four lessons on this with the feet, stomach, head, and heart. But, but, but check out this next verse. It's, it's powerful. The next few verses. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's powerful. Listen to verse 9. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Now, verse 10 is powerful because it gives every one of us hope in this place. That we can do what I'm fixing to talk about over the next few weeks. Wherefore, the brethren, give diligence, there's that word diligence again, to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. Sister Valma, is there's a way for me to never fall as a Christian? I want to know about it. And this, this is why I, I, tipped, I, I tipped the idea of uh, making the series the same as this that he has his book, The Anatomy of a Failure. I don't do that. It almost kind of gives you the essence of you can't do it. So that's why I, I, I want to name this instead of how to not fail as a Christian. Because I see so many people that comes in and they're back out. They're up and they're down. And, and, I, and here's the thing. I don't think there's nobody here sitting today that you have evil intent and you just don't want to live for God. You want to or you wouldn't be here. You want to live for God or you wouldn't show up uh, all the time or once in a while or whatever may be the case. You want to live for God, but at times you just feel like you can't get beyond this place that you're stuck at. So I'm Matthew was singing that song about breakthrough, and I'm just thinking about, you know what? This is going to be the year for a breakthrough for somebody. Somebody, this is going to be your year. You're going to come more than you ever come. You're going to give more than you've ever did. You're going to love more than you've ever loved. You're going to, you're going to have more peace than you've ever had. You're going to have more joy than you've ever had. It may start off slow and bumpy, but I'm telling you, at the end of this year, I'm expecting us in this building right here, some of us, it's going to be the greatest year you've ever had. The pain that you went through last year is just planting the seeds of what God is going to burn in 2020. And I'm going to tell you, we're going to walk through this year and this is going to be the greatest year as a Christian that we've ever had in our life. And one way it's going to happen, Brother Donnie, is we just learn some simple principles of how not to fail as a Christian. And I'm going to tell you, as I read through this book, I stopped there once in a while. I said, like, sure, listen to this. Look, listen to this. And I don't know, I'm going to use this book a lot of, uh, just a lot of just what he says. Is powerful and it's just scripturally based. I want to tell you today, I believe in you. 
You're here because you want to be here. And I believe with all my heart, the majority of the time, if any of us miss, you're not missing to just uh, say, I don't want to not be there. It's just life has come against us and life is trying to tear us down. And at the, the bottom depths of your heart, you really want to be here. You really want to serve God with all your heart. You really want to do your best that you've ever done. I believe that with everybody sitting in this building today. And I thank God for the man of God in my life that wrote such a book. It's going to help us be everything that we need to be. I believe in you. I believe in this church. I believe that God has got a revival like we've never seen. Amen. Happy's going to go with me on the journey this year. Won't you stand with me? Whether you come to this altar or whether you just pray at your seat, it doesn't matter to me, but I want us to do this today. Listen, I can tell you what's going to happen. You're going to fight hell and you're going to fall. But falling is not failing. If we're going to fall, if we're going to fail, let's say this way, if we're going to fall, let's fall forward. Let's not fall backwards. Let's always be leaning forward. That way if you get knocked off, you'll fall forward. You can get up and keep on going. I'll prophesy you're going to fall. Somebody's going to make you mad. Something's going to happen and your, your feet's going to be knocked out from under you. We're not looking for a New Year's resolution. We're looking for a life change. Yes. Yes. We're, looking, we're looking for something that's going to change our world. We're looking for that scope that, that when we get to the end of this year, somebody's going to say, I don't know what happened to you this year where you go to church or what you've been eating or what you've been drinking, but I want something. Yes. Yes. I want what you've got. Amen. So I want to make some commitments here today. Just say, God, I know it's not going to be easy. I know there might be some ups and I know there may be some downs. But God, we're going to do this. I say we. I'm not saying I say we. We're going to do this together. So we'll be praying today. Just ask God to help us. Come on, can we just make some commitments and say, you know, I, I'm going to do this. And listen, hear me. If you don't get to come over the next four weeks, I'm going to put them on the podcast. I want you to go listen to it. If you don't have a link to our podcast, I'll put it on Facebook. Text me, get a hold of me. I can send it through Messenger. I, it's, an, it's on Anchor. It's on Spotify. You can go listen to them. And if you can't show up, at least you get to hear it. You get to hear the word of God. You get something that's going to help you and feed you and help you go a little farther. So come on, let's do that today. Let's see God. Let's ask God to help us. Say, God, I want this to be my best year. I want not only this to be my best year, I want to be my brother and my sister's best year. I want this to be our church's best year. I want to see God, our church, grow like it's never grown. Come on, church, I believe in you. God believes in you. Let's believe in each other. We can do this.